Hello and welcome to the Neighbour Food Podcast. Welcome. Jolene, when you told me that there was now an Irish vermouth, I kind of nearly lost it, to be honest. Like, I'm after getting really into vermouth recently. Yeah, you absolutely nearly lost it. And our guests today are Anna and Orla Snook O'Carroll, who are the wife and wife team proudly making Ireland's very first vermouth from 20 different botanicals on Valencia Island off the Kerry coast. Inspired by the island's epic landscape, botanicals they could forage locally and a love of vermouth, they set off on their own dream of creating a brand new product for the Irish shelves. And this was something that was born in their home kitchen. And now they even have more bigger dreams and plans of building a distillery and visitor centre right there on Valencia Island. Yeah, it's actually a really special place, Valencia Island. Um, you, after the chat, you actually went down there, no? That's right. I went down there maybe a week or so later and I got to meet one of the local tour guides there. That was Mary Murphy O'Donoghue. She's a national tour guide and a wealth of knowledge on the history and heritage of the island. So she told me all about the significance of the island in terms of worldwide communication, as this was the location of the first transatlantic communications cable connecting Europe and America together. A first in communications and a first in Vermouth. Mm-hmm. So in this chat, we learned how Anna and Orla are deeply committed to sustainable and cradle-to-cradle design principles in both their foraging and their packaging, but also in their environmental sustainability within their community. We hear about the early days of their business, the processes involved, the experience of drinking vermouth, and I can also attest that is very good, and what we can expect down the line from them at Valencia Island Distillery. This is Anna and Orla. The couple met in art college in Bristol, where Anna's from. Well, we I was doing sculpture, so I was doing right. loads of casts of, uh, of, the, of the body mm-hmm. uh, and then distorting it. Nice. <laughs> I was doing like illustration that kind of half turned into overheard conversations at bus stops. And so from these busy Bristol bus stops to a remote and wild island, the couple made their move to Valencia Island a few years back. What a change that must have been. Well, yeah, like I was thinking about this recently and I suppose Bristol is so like, as Anna was saying, there's so much art and music and there's a real, you know, West West Country vibe, like it's kind mm. of a slower pace, all this kind of stuff. And, and it's, you know, the people are super diverse and everything. And while they're like, the, you know, but it's inner city, it's urban mm. environment, it's, you know, it's mm. concrete, there's lovely quality houses there, but like, ultimately, it's still like kind of a, a like an urban environment. And then we moved here and like, you know, and you look around and every, you know, I'm looking at the window now and there's like just there's, all of our next door neighbors all have four legs, you know, like there's sheep in the field, there's cows over there, you know, like there's, you know, the like there's green fields everywhere, there's hills and stuff. And it's the same in the winter, you know, you can get so much color from yeah this environment in the in the winter as well kind of thing that like it feels like you know while while they Bristol and Valencia are in stark contrast geographically or kind Mm. of environmentally I feel as though they hold similar values of that kind of like um art vibe um diversity of people like kind of acceptance all this kind of stuff it kind of west coast again I think isn't it you know it's kind of like just yeah, it's, it's a slower pace, obviously. But I don't know, they kind of share similar values. It, it kind of sounds like you're talking about pace, that it might be an urban environment, but there seems to be a similar pace in the way people do things. How did Valencia get on your map? 
Yeah, so my parents are from Kerry, okay. and so that's what yeah that's what brought us here to begin with. Um, and then so then we'd be visiting them here. They'd always be in Glen Bay, so mm. we'd be visit the, visiting them in Glen Bay. And so then we'd go on drives and obviously look around the insanely beautiful coastline of like the Eva Peninsula and yeah, South Kerry, and you know it's just bonkers. Like- yeah. And so we'd be, yeah, and we, and then I suppose we just fell in love with Valencia because it's very hard to not, you know, it's just such a beautiful place and the people are awesome. And yeah, and then we found the most beautiful little cottage here. So we bought it, I'd say six years ago, five or six years ago. It was, um, it was like the actual place picked us. Mm. It it was literally like there was a beacon just Mm. like honing us in. Uh, So yeah, it's pretty magical. Yeah, yeah. And let's stop right here now because I think this is a great little point to bring in our local Valencia Island historian. Because if you've never been to this place, this island is steeped in important history. To be honest, blows my mind when I think about it. How a tiny little island had such a massive impact on the worldwide communications. Well, my name is Mary Murphy O'Donoghue. I work here in the cable station. I'm a national tour guide. And um, I've done a lot of research uh, about the cable station here. Yeah. And it's a new museum after opening. Uh, the home of um, Worldwide Communication has been there since uh, 1866. And it's an amazing history. Yeah. Absolutely amazing history. It is an amazing history. And you even described like Valencia Island as a place apart. Now I know when you get the ferry over here, you certainly feel like you're coming to a different world. Could you summarize the history maybe? And for somebody who's never been here before, What's it all about? Well, it really was the start of global communication Mm -hmm. because it joined America and Europe. And what they say is it went from uh, six weeks to two minutes. Wow. Uh, You would send a letter to America, depending on the weather, to get a reply. And now it was instant communication because they put that cable under the sea. And there you have it. You have the old world and the new world connected uh, through cable, and which was an amazing story at the time and that's why it's called the eighth wonder of the world in 1866 it was referred to as such the eighth wonder of the world so they brought this big cable on a ship on a big ship was it like just throw the cable out the back and hey presto it works or was it a little bit harder than that it was a bit harder than that they paid it out off of the biggest ship in the world and you know there was trial and error there was five attempts uh, you know, failed uh, prior to the one that succeeded. And when it did succeed, it was a major, major impact on communications. On And, and that was one of the reasons that you have time zones. Okay. Uh, because of the cable. Okay. Yes. Time zones in, yes. yes. 1884. Can you a bit more about that? Uh, what happened in 1884, you see, when they were sending the messages, because it was going so fast, yeah. is that they, they were receiving messages before they were sent, if you know what I mean, for, yeah. in their time. Okay. So it had to be, um, you know, they had to create time zones yeah. to, to uh, th- these messages work. Okay, on, on, I got you. Know, you know, on, on real time, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. You know, it had to be, like if you send it from here to America, uh, they had to have a time forward, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Because they'd, be they'd be behind, you see? Mm-hmm. So it had to be done. It had to be regularized. Yeah, yeah. that's something I absolutely yeah. never thought yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing you mentioned uh, earlier, just before we, we pressed record there, was about the significance of the night of Kerry yes. to Valencia Island. Who's the Knight of Kerry and why did he play a big part in this? What I was, I was saying to you there was, um, you know, there's a book by Nilio Kerry was her name and it's called An Island Apart. Okay. And it is An Island Apart. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that because you had a very English influence here mm-hmm. as opposed to the likes of the Blaskets, etc. or the Western Seaboard. Uh, here you had the Knights. They lived on the island. Mm-hmm. 
uh, they've been here for generations. They're Fitzgeralds, and we still have a knight. Mm, yes, okay. um, Adrian Fitzgerald, though right. he doesn't live here anymore, but he does come back uh, okay. ever so often for a while. And his cousin Anthony does live on the island. So, but, but prior to that, like they, he, uh, or Peter Fitzgerald uh, was the reason the cable came to Valencia Island. Okay. And it could have gone to Mayo, yes. but it didn't. Yeah. He came to Valencia because of the influence of those knights. Okay. And you had they, they, they opened a slate quarry here. Right because there's a slave formation here and they, they created a lot of, uh, you know, industry and work. So for the good of the island, it was a very, um, they had a great impact yeah. on this island. Amazing. And also Knightstown, our little, the, the chief little village here, that's uh, planned by, by Nemo and is one of the few in the country that was planned. And that had to do with the Knights. So is that why Knightstown is called Knightstown? It is, exactly. Very why good. Knightstown. Final question. The UNESCO Great. World Heritage um, Connection, what's going on there? Well, uh, in Kerry, well, there's three in Ireland, you know. Right. Uh, you have uh, Skelly Michael off at the coast of Kerry. Yeah. You have uh, Bruna Bonya, where, where New Grange is, and you have in the Northern Ireland, you have uh, the Giant's Causeway. So if we could get one more in Kerry here, right. and the Eight Wonder Museum here, and in conjunction with Hearst Content in Newfoundland, which is where the cable connected, uh, we're on the tentative list to, uh, to seek um, UNESCO status. Okay. So, and we are hopeful, it'll be another year or two, but it would be wonderful for Kerry if we had two uh, UNESCO sites. Wouldn't it? On, in Kerry. It'd be it amazing. would be amazing. Yeah. It would be absolutely amazing. Well, best of luck to it. I'll drink to that. Right, perfect. I, I, I might have an old vermouth. Fair enough. <laughs> Go on. Thank you. Wow. Okay, hey. so you got the first transatlantic cable, the first tetrapod ste steps, and the first. Vermouth in Ireland. Yeah! <laughs> Island, you got it! <laughs> yes! This is this is too cool. I absolutely love Valencia Island, by the way. Mm. It's just such a gorgeous place. I just love being by the water. And of course, it's near the Skelligs as well, which is yeah. also a UNESCO world. Yeah, yeah. another UNESCO, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both is, yeah. So, now that we got the Valencia Island thing off the cards, what's Vermouth? I'll take, uh, I'll take this one. Uh, so, Vermouth... <laughs> is um okay i'll start from the basics so vermouth is basically a wine-based drink okay mm. so you've got a base of a beautiful wine ours is a Vadeco grape from the hills of madrid and then uh, what you need to do then is add flavor and you need to add booze and you need to add some form of sweetening agent okay so uh ours is um made with 20 different botanicals uh, some of which we forage from the island. And then we've also got a deep, dark caramel that we make, which gives it that sort of um, beautiful sort of deep uh, sweetness, uh, which combats the sort of the bitter botanicals that are mm. going on. So yeah. you take a drink of the uh, vermouth, the sweetness comes in, and then the um, the bitterness of the botanical roll in after. So if that helps um, describe what vermouth is and what ours is, um, like it's... I'll just explain a little bit where it comes from as well, because it's pretty ancient. It goes right back to the Romans is when they first used to drink it. They, um, mm -hmm. They'd be transporting wine and stuff, um, and it would end up uh, being on ships and stuff like that, and it would end up uh, getting oxygen in there, so it would start going off. Um, and the way that they tackled that is covering it with loads of flavours. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay. It's like put a load of herbs in it and a load yep. of sugar in it um, and then mm. it will taste fine. Um, but actually what they did with that, they then developed something that was really medicinal. Okay. So all of the herbs that are in it um, are actually ancient, like medicinal herbs. 
So, oh, okay, so the way it's developed is, is that now well, they then were drinking it as an aperitif or a digestive because they were having very rich foods when they were sort of feasting. So they drink vermouth to start with to get their stomachs ready for the feasts and then after as well then to help it digest. Mm. So there's a whole history attached with vermouth. Um, like the other thing is in, uh, say, in Spain, it's just on tap everywhere. <laughs> so you walk into a bar and you ask for a mousse and they've just got it on tap and you just have it neat like that on ice, say mm. with a wow. slice of orange or an olive or something like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. does vermouth still have medicinal qualities, would you say? 100%, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the Some of the herbs that we've got going in, like um, wormwood, uh, you've got yarrow in there, um, there's uh, orris root, angelica seeds, um, yeah, if you look at all the history of all the different herbs that are going going in there, like they've they've all they're all still being used to this day. So yeah, class. Okay, that's really interesting about the medicinal side of things because you're actually from. Um, t- tell us about the area that you're from, Jack, and your kind of connection to vermouth. Well, it's not so much a connection to vermouth, but it's just part of the palate, you know. So yeah. Well, first of all, I would drink vermouth mostly in an americano, which is a cocktail that doesn't travel nice. too much outside of Italy, but it's really popular here. It's basically a Negroni without gin. Mm, um, okay. so it's a cocktail that you can have without ending up on the piss unintentionally you know <laughs> which by the way the Italians every time that they do like what they believe to be kind of a watered down version of something they call it Americano <laughs> okay <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so you know just like a shit Negronis and Americano but um, I really like that and then I cook a huge amount with vermouth with a white vermouth. Mm. Uh, to be honest, mm. I wouldn't make a risotto without uh, about a third of mm. a glass of vermouth and then two thirds of white wine for about four people. Mm. So in our house, that's where the vermouth goes. But I mean, there is heaps and heaps of vermouth producers, particularly in Torino. So I don't live in Torino. I'm in like an hour south. And I, mm. I actually live in the middle of the Langa. Guys, I don't know if you know the Langa, but it's it's the main wine producing region in the north of Italy and it's where Barolo and all the heavy reds Bar- Barbaresco and all of these kind of um, eating, red, aging reds kind of come from and we're bang in the middle of that and basically 70% of our friends either work in in cantinas or, where our work, or have vineyards um, so vermouth is actually a drink that is drank a lot by winemakers because they're so sick of wine you know So they'll want a beer or they'll want a cocktail and vermouth creeps into a lot of cocktails. So that's for me, vermouth has become actually probably a very consistent bottle in our, Mm. in our drinks cabinet now. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like I wouldn't really have known much about vermouth. Like I, I, girls, I grew up in a pub and nobody ordered vermouth really like, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) until until these days mm. um so definitely like it's not part of the irish culture really like is it no, no, no. it's no. not it's, yeah. it's um i think every single pub has a bottle of of, of vermouth in it and it's martini oh, definitely it's martini. yeah, yeah. Martini. Like, it's white, white martini or red martini and yeah. yeah and it's it's dusty and it, and it doesn't get used very yeah. much um mm. so yeah it's um ev- like us trying to do the vermouth it's always been a case of it's definitely an educational piece mm. as in like you've got yeah. to spread the love and that is actually mm. like it's all been about so I went to a when we lived in Bristol I went to a vermouth tasting because I worked in the restaurant trade for 25 years okay. and um and I got invited along to this vermouth tasting 
and um we were in there and i didn't really know what to expect i hadn't really tried any vermouths really or whatever and um they basically presented all of these sipping vermouths uh things like okay. regal rogue mm, yeah. um there was another one called the collector and a few others and um I was just absolutely blown away. I couldn't, I literally couldn't believe what I was tasting. I was like, this is insane. And so I came, I came back to the house after the vermouth tasting, obviously a bit drunk. um, (laughs) And was just like, oh, you're never going to believe this. And started like raving about all this vermouth that I tried. And so since then, that's where the love started. And then it was just a case of trying as much vermouth as possible. And then it was just like, actually, like we can, maybe we can make our own. And that was all bubbling away in the background with us until... And we did, we couldn't really make it happen in Bristol. And so we moved to Valencia and it was like, well, this is where to do it. This mm. is, you know, and we let the island sort of speak to us. And I think one of the first things we did when we got here was go to the health food shop mm. and get some of the more unusual herbs that we can't get from the island or that we hadn't explored yeah. yet. And so it was literally, it was within weeks of arriving, we were yeah. already exploring it. Wow. And tell, yeah. tell us about those early days. Like how, how did it come together then? What was it like? I kind of I really remember Anna so when I used when we were first going out in Bristol Anna had like a a studio and it was a sculpture studio and there'd be just loads of like you know that you know like an artist studio there's just loads of stuff everywhere yeah and um, and there's loads of like process and kind of experiments going on and you know all this kind of there's just lots of jars (laughs) and there's lots of like you know like kind of like bits and stuff around and I remember those kind of like those early days when we were playing with different plants and herbs and things and I'd come into the kitchen and there'd just be jam jars everywhere with oh. like a like with a plant steeping in it and right. you know and it'd be like the plant would be steeping in alcohol and to pull the flavors out and she kind of looked like a mad scientist like you know kind of thing but it really reminded me of when I go and visit her in her studio like in Bristol again it was like it's like as if like your art has turned into the vermouth you know Mm, that kind of way which is like which is lovely really I think it's kind of it kind of it all makes sense and it's all obviously handmade and Mm. you know it's sort of pure love that goes into it so it kind of it feels like it makes an awful lot of sense really to the journey but yeah. I suppose it probably only, it's only when you look back on journeys that they make sense. When you're in them, mm. you've no idea. I'd say. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I mean, it does yeah. sound a little bit like you guys fell into artisan, the artisan. So making, I can see exactly where the inspiration comes from in, in making the remote, the excitement of making the, the, first of all, the love for the drink combined with the love for making something. But obviously everything that comes after that is kind of a whole art form in itself, which is how do you bring something to market? How do you get it tested? How do you get, I mean, designing labels and bottles Mm. is fun, Mm. but there's also like finding the supply of all those bottles and setting up your production thing. How did you find taking it from that level of like, okay, I love this drink. I can make it for everybody Mm. within five kilometers around me, but we're going to have to start making it with a shelf life and we're going to have to, you know, what was that process like? It was was some journey jack like it was um it was you know like neither of us come from the drinks business mm. or makers really you know in that sense of like our some makers of food or drink mm. so it was a real learning curve so the one of the 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 first thing that really helped us along that journey was the uh, super value food academy mm. program mm. so to be honest we did we had a we had a concept we had a we had a finished final product mm. and we really needed help about how to get to the next step so they guided you through on a six-month program Mm. about thinking about margins um you know business plans um i 
yeah, hooking you up with people who, who are already in the drinks business to find out who they get their bottles off, mm. you know, who they get their corks off, mm. um, who, mm. you know, who do they get their labels done and stuff like that. But every day was really tough trying mm. to learn this whole new, um, whole new business. So it was a really interesting journey. And we're still doing it today. Like we're on another course now, which is called Foodworks, mm. uh, which is a, a government initiative. And it's run by Board Beer, um, Enterprise Island and Chagask. Mm. Um, and that is taking it to a whole new level. Mm. They're helping us get like an investment ready business plan. And they're helping us to look into exporting into the US and the UK. Mm. So like, like, sure, like, we're not quite ready to do those things right yet, but they're helping us to get ready to do it. So, um, and the other thing is, is, you know, volume is crazy. Yeah. You know, at the moment we've made, I think we've made like 7,000, 7,500 bottles, but like, if you're going to export, then you're talking big numbers. Mm. Like it's a bit mm. mad. Mm. And I still make every tiny bit of caramel that goes into every single bottle. I'm still making it. Um, well, so like, yeah. You know, it's it's really handmade. You know, all of all everything's steeped, everything's measured, everything's bottled, everything's labelled by hand. So all those jam jars that I was talking about in the kitchen, they have now just turned into way bigger jars, big huge vessels with just way more pants in them. <laughs> so it's like a yeah. honey, I shrunk the kids. Everything's the same, but yeah, it's like yeah, ten totally, times yeah. bigger. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so who was the first person outside of you two that actually tasted your vermouth? Oh, yeah, I remember this. So this was Christmas 2018 and we had some mm. pals over from Bristol and one of our friends, Tilly, um, she'd know her onions like she'd she'd know okay. she'd have a good palate. She'd know her stuff. And we were kind of like, do you want to taste this? And and uh, and we were like, we've been playing around with this. And she like she tasted it. She was like, this is actually good. And we were like, what? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> And so then we, so then we kind of like you know just continued playing with the recipe a bit more, and then a friend of ours in the UK, Kate Hawkins, um, who Anna had been to the wine tasting with the vermouth tasting with, and she was who put on the vermouth tasting all those years ago in Bristol. So we sent a bottle to her because she's a proper. She's you like went the straight to the top. Thing. You weren't sending it to aunts yeah. and uncles who only drink. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... Sending it to the girl, the girl in Crosshaven there in the bubble wrap. Remember? Yeah, This will come around. Yeah. So um, so yeah, and and Kate was just awesome. You know, she absolutely loved it, and you know, so she was so good in helping us to get it out there to like other journalists and stuff so she was just fab so vermouth is classically red or white but yours is neither can you please explain (laughs) well you're dead right (laughs) ours is like ours comes out this beautiful golden color and if you kind of the like all the botanicals if you imagine them on the shelf and if you blur them blur your eyes it's more or less the color of our vermouth so you're kind of so it kind of comes from all the different botanicals that we put into it um, we put gorse in as well. So we pick okay. gorse on the island. Um, we're one of the only vermouths in the world, I'd say, with gorse in. And it makes it so mm. Irish, you know, kind of okay. thing. It make, yeah. And it makes it so of here, uh, which is cool. And um, and then we, um, and then the caramel that Anna makes yeah. so as well. So all of those, with those two kind of all the, the botanicals and the caramel um, combines. Yeah. And I think that's why it comes out that kind of ambery gold. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Is there another? And of course, you actually have on the name of the of the bottle as well as ore, which is the Irish word for gold as well, which yes. I 
notice that that's quite cool as well. Yeah. I mean, actually, in the that taste of the gorse, because when I pick gorse or when I'm walking and I and I see gorse, I, I immediately think of coconuts. Yeah. Do you think that like that that comes through then in the vermouth as well? So I think that it totally, I think it, it has got a coconutty like kind of texture uh, and kind of maybe smell to it, I think, the gorse. But when we started playing around with it within our other botanicals, there was just full on vanilla that came out of it. Mm. And okay. we were, I think it just made it, it was so exciting all of a sudden that yeah. like that, you know, if we were to put in a vanilla, like if we were to get a vanilla, it would come from like Madagascar or wherever mm. vanilla comes from. Yeah. And, you know, so it would have loads of food boils. It would be from a whole other like world as such. Mm. And instead, we literally get it from outside our door. Mm. We get wow. the gorse from outside our door. And it create and with it, it kind of creates this buttery kind of vanilla kind of taste to it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's delicious. And what other um, items are you foraging then from the area? So we are, so our next one that we do is going to be Bawn, which okay. is, um, as you know, white in Irish, and yep. that'll be a seaweed. So we'll do, oh, yeah, so we'll do like kind of yeah. a seaweedy, um, like I want it to be kind of like seaweedy and citrus. Mm-hmm. And John from Atlantic uh, sea, Irish Seaweed in Cara Daniel, he, he was telling us about this, like, because we don't really have citrus in Ireland. So in, on our plants, you know, I was talking to Jack about like the lemon mm-hmm. trees and the orange trees in, in mm-hmm. your back garden. But like, we don't really have that as botanics in Ireland, mm-hmm. but we do in seaweed. So there's one of the seaweed um, that he was explaining to us. I can't remember which one it is now. But it's got uh, it's citrus, so wow. we'd be able to pull in like all of our botanicals. Ultimately, could be Irish in our born one, which would be cool. That's gorgeous, that and I, so I'm cool. kind of like I the idea it. of a bit of a salty kind of sweet thing as well. Sounds pretty good I to know. me. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Great, great idea. So you're you're tying in with the um the the seaweed guys. Is there any other kind of local businesses that kind of help you in this journey as well of what you're doing? Um, yeah, everyone's been extremely helpful. Generally, um, the uh, Skellig Six One Eight Distillery um, have been incredible to us. Um, mm-hmm. They've helped us basically get on our feet. Um, in order to to have a a booze company, you need to have sort of a like a bonded premises mm-hmm. as such. So you mm-hmm. need to go all through, hoops, all through the hoops with revenue. And um, what they did is they housed us, and they still do uh, currently. Um, so that we could sit under them uh, so we didn't have to okay. do all that which was amazing mm. um so they gave us a massive leg up there um and then look into the future then we really want to get it back on the island <laughs> we're dying to get okay. it back on the island mm. um yeah. i know it's only a stone throw away in carasivine but um it's it's really important to us to have it here i don't know for every reason really it was mm. born here um i don't know you wouldn't have to Just commute to work yeah, well, and that's the main one. You wouldn't have to call the ferryman back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like, yeah, so no, it is. It's really important for us to get it here. But uh, they have been incredible. And who else has been good? All what else has been? Everyone really. Everyone in the industry has been incredible. Yeah. I just can't believe how generous people have been mm. with their time and their knowledge. Like. Yeah. There's none of this like sort of closed off behavior yeah. um, mm. going on at all. I just can't, I can't believe how open it is to say. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the food yeah. and drink scene in Ireland? 
Um, in general, I am so proud of Ireland. Mm. I just think, I just think we are awesome. Like, I just, I, <laughs> I'm like, I'm right. So you know, we got married here four years ago, and the whole like. No one blinked an eyelid about two girls getting married here. We were supported by everyone. Like the people up the road let us use their uh, their car park for our friends' guests, uh, for their cars. You know, like people like, you know, people like helped us on the day, like in every in every way. And the food and drink scene in Ireland is just so kind of vibrant and buoyant as well. And there's just so much going on in Ireland now. And you know, we're so good at supporting local and like I just think I'm so proud of Ireland. I think I think we're doing a great job. Yeah. There's your <laughs> well sound bite. Well there's a sound bite, Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. I'm I'm also interested. So both of you are artists, and I got to say, when you pick up the bottle, I think the art on the label is absolutely stunning. Are you behind that label? Did, did was that one of you? I think Orla did it. She's got a real <laughs> look us, of guilt t- on her face. What's the story there, girls? <laughs> So we, yeah, we did have a lot to do with it. Um, like we kind of, we just wanted the, it to be art inside the bottle and art outside the bottle. Yeah. You know, that was what yeah. we wanted to create ultimately. And, you know, like it had to be, because it's so handmade, it had mm. to be hand-drawn, do you know, mm. kind of thing. So all of the kind of botanicals on it and everything like that, like they all, like there had to be like a hand-drawn element on it. I thought and so we were we had this great graphic design company in Cork called Bullseye mm-hmm. and they were fantastic and uh, they really understood what we wanted and then we had this amazing illustrator in um, in Dublin called Steve Dugan and he was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic to part to bring our absolutely mental sketches <laughs> into <laughs> the beautiful work that is on the bottle um at the moment and like just stuff like he he's a, he's a really cool he's a very funny guy he's really cool and um and he rang one time and you know the two mermaids on on the bottle so mm. if you look closely down at the mermaids tails there's a secret little a and a secret little o for anna oh, and Orla. And there, wow. yeah that's and so, so cool yeah and he rang one time anyway and he was like he's got a scottish accent but i'm gonna i'm not i'm gonna try and not do it and he was like um uh do you want like um do you want like strong mermaids or do you want like pretty mermaids and, <laughs> and we were like strong mermaids and he was like hey eh, thought so and he like put the phone down straight away and we were like we're brilliant we love this man so like our mermaids are like kind of tough ass like yeah, yeah, yeah i'm actually yeah. looking and, at and it actually, right now they're holding they're holding their hand up like it's kind of yeah. like a celebration like yeah, oh, they're, and, they're, and if you notice wild both, hair they're both they both have different um botanicals they're both holding different botanicals and they have a glass of vermouth each in their hand and they're kind of like you know i don't know they're just so tough i love those mermaids um, gorgeous yeah and, and, and the, the lighthouse i guess is probably um a reflection of the island too is it yeah, the lighthouse is the lighthouse here in Valencia, but that's where we got married. So that oh. kind of all kind of all got pulled out. So there's a bit, there's a love story, really, to be honest, on yeah, that bottle. There is, yeah, it's really personal to me. Yeah, that um, is absolutely gorgeous. I'm so yeah. glad you told us that. 
these so it's a secret recipe, but the twenty different botanicals are all around the bottle. So if okay. you knew your plants, you'd be able to work out the yeah. Mm. Okay. Tell us about actually drinking it. Um, have you any suggestions of how one should consume? Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, I, so my favorite is straight up mm-hmm. over ice, slice of orange. Okay. Um, you really get to sort of uh, really pluck out the different flavors um, mm-hmm. and understand the sort of complexity of it. All his favorite way of drinking it is over ice, slice of orange, uh, a good glug of the vermouth, and a nice tonic, sort of good quality mm. tonic. Okay. So it just makes it into that longer drink. Um, uh, and it's just delicious, isn't it? It's really refreshing. Yeah. And then there's also a Valencia spritz, uh, which is Valencia Island vermouth, um, fizz, Prosecco carver, a little bit of soda and a slice of orange. Now that is delicious. Yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Nice. Yeah. And then um, and then it's basically a sweet vermouth is used in loads of cocktails. So you've got your mm. classic Negroni, which is actually mm-hmm. Negroni week this week. Mm. And um, and then, which is just one equal part. So that's one one part sweet vermouth, one part gin, one part Campari, and it's rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, there's a Manhattan. You can now can make an all-Irish Manhattan because we finally got the Irish vermouth. So you can make it with Irish whiskey and Irish vermouth, and you're laughing. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. That's fantastic. Yeah. What about actually storing vermouth? Like I heard one time that you're meant to keep it in the fridge. Is that true? That is true. Um, and the reason that th- there's a reason for that is basically it's wine based. So okay. once you open a bottle of wine, you'd sort of consume it within a couple of days, wouldn't you? Yeah. Type thing. Now mm-hmm. it's a little bit different with the vermouth because of the sugar content so, and the percentage of it is higher. So therefore, it lasts way longer. So typically, you open a bottle of vermouth, you keep it in the fridge. Okay. Um, and then they say you should drink it within, say, two months, something like that, mm. a month, two months. There, there's no way it would even last two mm, months. That's it. <laughs> but the thing is, we have, because we obviously buy loads of vermouth. Um, yeah. To taste it. To taste it and just generally love the stuff. Like, I've got vermouth in there that's been in there a year and it's still grand. Yeah. Do you know, all it does, yeah. it just develops in, it, it just develops in flavour. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. So and, it develops. It's perfect with, then for cooking, though. Do you yeah, know it's like exactly. a, it's like wine you don't you can never really let it go to waste you know you use it in yeah. something yeah totally mm. yeah but yeah i mean um it's not going to kill it if you don't keep it in the fridge it's okay but if you if you want to keep it like yeah yeah perfect then keep it in the fridge any other and does it have a long shelf life yeah if you don't open it like does it improve oh yeah the wine? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, it's all like air sealed and cork. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's fine. But but you know the way wine ages. Does vermouth age as well then too? Like some stuff would happen in there for sure. Yeah, like because um, there's no like you know there's no preservatives or anything like mm. that in there. So it's just all like hanging out. But um, sounds kind of TBC, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I was just thinking uh, that because our vermouth is only like a year old. I was just thinking, do we have any of the older stuff? Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to to, to see, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, are there any other drinks you guys are interested in? Because you might get going with your vermouth, and you might start branching out in other directions. Yeah, we were thinking about. Well, we'll we're definitely going to do the the born next, yeah. so the white one, and then after that we'll do the rua, mm-hmm. so a red one, um, and then we're not too sure. So we're kind, of, you know, we could like where wormwood is one of the botanicals that we use. That's where mm-hmm. vermouth gets its name. So like the German for wormwood is vermouth, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then so 
Um, and then absinthe, I think, is made with wormwood. Oh. So, you know, there is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's kind, there is, I'd say we might stay in Aperitivo land yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll concentrate on the Vaughan and the Rua next anyway. That's really exciting. Nice. And what's the plan for today, guys? What's like a normal day? Are you going? So normal day, we'd probably go, I would, I often don't work with Anna in the, like in the production, but on a Friday evening, I often might go in and give Anna a hand with the last few bits of like labeling or bottling or things like that. And tasting obviously is quite crucial, <laughs> quite crucial on a Friday <laughs> as well. Is the, you know, the only reason why I go in on a Friday. Quality, uh, quality control on a Friday. <laughs> Well, I was going to actually ask, is there anything that you guys, because um, we always leave something out. So is there any kind of questions, I suppose, that you think that we should definitely have asked you that we haven't? We have, what well, I just want to get our, uh, we have awards. Uh, yeah, so tell get, us about the awards. I want to get what they are. Okay, so um, so last year when we had just launched, we got Blossna Heron, so we became Bronze and Blossna Heron. We just have recently, and then we were named um, top 10 vermouths in the world Spotted by Falstaff. Congratulations, that. that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. That's cool. And then, um, so then we um, had great taste awards just now in the summer. We got bronze in that and we had bronze in the International Wine and Spirits Awards wow. just now in the summer. And we're going for Blasna Heron now at the end of September again. That is incredible. And how old is your company? Uh, we're about 13 months old. Jesus. Wow. Oh my God. That is <laughs> phenomenal. That is so wow. inspiring. Like, that's amazing. Nice. When, when, you, when you look at that, that is yeah. unbelievable. Well, no, it's been, it has been amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. to have that, I don't know, uh, to have that recognition, mm -hmm. I suppose it just makes all the difference. Um, and yeah, it just sort of makes other people who wouldn't usually try vermouth hopefully pick, pick up it up bottle. pick up a bottle give it a try mm. and spread the vermouth love mm. what do you think has been the most important thing that you've learned over the last 13 months um, great question jolene how to put on late how to put on labels straight uh, yeah <laughs> that's a good question that's a good good skill, good skill. and the answer <laughs> is don't do it on friday evenings after you've had too many glasses <laughs> No, it's two uh, two post-it uh, post-it note pads oh. wedged either side of the bottle. Oh. Of the bottle. Very high tech, high tech stuff, y'all. Oh. Nice. and Jolene are going to have a vermouth on the market in twelve months with perfectly straight <laughs> labels, and you're going to regret telling us your secrets. <laughs> Doesn't taste um, great, but my God, those labels are straight. <laughs> <laughs> right come here what else have we got to cover what do you think the future is for vermouth in ireland do you think it's going to take off as a drink like um... i think it is you know like if anywhere you know it's huge in spain jack how big is it in italy at the moment it, it really is because like it, it's just a mm. it, it it piggybacks in on so many different things it's like a sneaky drink that people love and maybe they don't realize that they drink it that much Mm. but here they do realize because here it's like actually a bit of a thing you know like any wine shop mm -hmm. has a selection of five different vermouths 
yeah. you know yeah. so I, I think I... there's a huge space for it I think it's a really gorgeous drink to have and I also mm. think it's it's a bit of an all-year-rounder as well you know which oh, is yeah. good too yeah I agree there's like as Anna was saying about the UK vermouths like there's kind of lovely contemporary vermouths coming out of there as well mm. and that that market is only kind of starting I think mm. you know the UK vermouths kind of um mm. thing and so and then Ireland now has shown that it really likes vermouth so it's brilliant mm. you know Thank you so much, you guys. That was really fun. And um, I, I generally, I can't wait to taste your vermouth. I'm going to make sure I have a bottle of it when I come back. I'm, I'm going into Dublin. Are you in, in drinks shops in Dublin or is it just yeah, in bars? Yeah, we're in um, Celtic, Celtic Whiskey Shop, okay. uh, Redmond and Ranala, um, Devonies of Dundrum. We're in the um, nearly, nearly all the Avocas. Yeah, I'm going to look um, on, is it on your website, all your stockists? It is. Um, and then in Cork, we're in uh, Bradley's. English um, Market. Yeah. Bubba Brothers. Yeah, there is some stuff on our website, yeah. Um, um we're in Claire Claire Nash nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um and then we're in I think thirteen super values and we're in Willie's Wine Shopping, Caris Ivine as well, who are super supportive at the very start to us. And you're in a lot of bars. We're I in see, love I bars, see your yeah. I see your bottle on a lot of shelves. Yeah, we're in like Cask in Cork, mm. which is brilliant. We're in Adair Manor, so nice. we're in Amshire. So some of the, the uh, kind of fancy places took it on because it's it just sits so well, I think, in those in on those You can shops, say it, so. it's because it's really good. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> and it's really reasonably priced too. Because of the price, I think it's quite accessible for people to pick up. It's thirty-five euros on the shelf. Class. Ah, brilliant, cool. So that's all for today with us at the Neighbour Food Podcast. Get your hands responsibly on a <laughs> bottle of or Valencia Island Vermouth's first commercial vermouth or get yourself down to Valencia Island and check out valentiaislandvermouth.ie until next time thank you for listening bye bye ciao
Perfect. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. And... You've done this edit already. Does it need a close? I haven't done the edit, no. I'm gonna oh, you it. haven't. Okay. I'm going to do it tomorrow on the train. So... So... I will just write here... Do you want to, do you want an end just in case you need it? Yeah. Oh, oh my god, I'm tired. You really are shagged after the 20, 20 kilometers on oh, fucking, fucking feet is is long. I didn't expect it at all, like. okay off you go jack so that's all for today with us at the neighbor food podcast get your hands responsibly on a bottle of or valencia island vermouth's first commercial vermouth or get yourself down to valencia island and check out valencia island vermouth.ie until next time thank you for listening bye-bye ciao Grand job. Happy? Yeah, perfect.